So welcome to Can Marketing Save the Planet podcast. On this episode, we are delighted to welcome Luke Spizer, the Global Chief Innovation Officer from Landor and Fitch. Luke, welcome to the podcast. Hello, and thank you very much for welcoming me and so happy to be with you today. Fantastic. So let's kick this off, Luke, with um, a little bit about the work that you're doing. And that focuses a lot around brand-led sustainability. Can you just tell us what you mean a little bit about that concept? Absolutely. Um, actually, um, when when you think about brand-led sustainability, the way we approach it is actually starts with the official uh, definition of sustainability, right, as per the United Nations. And when you look at that official definition, it, it's about bringing together uh, three indissociable, and I, I'm insisting on the word indissociable, right, uh, pillars, which are environmental, um, social, and economic. And uh, in, informally, right, it's those pillars uh, are also called the three Ps, planet, people, and profit. And um, the starting point of brand-led sustainability is that we've, we've spotted a problem, which is that when it comes to businesses, right, the last P, meaning profit, has somehow been forgotten uh, along the way. Right? And um, when, you, when you think about any business, and unlike NGOs right, or public authorities, um, any business exists to make money. Mm-hmm. That's a fact. Right, so if they don't make money or if they don't make profit, they simply die. And um, when you think about sustainability investments, um, they have to deliver return as well, right? Both financial, but also reputational, uh, to be sustainable for the business. So if 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 I say it in other words, when it comes to businesses, right, sustainability has to be profitable like any other investment. Otherwise, it's simply not sustainable. Full point, right? Yep. So uh, something needs to change um, in the way that businesses are approaching sustainability. And that's how brand-led sustainability is born. Okay. And you've broken that down, haven't you? You've got a model at Landor and Fitch that that you work with, which is this four-step approach around um, access, focus, ideate, build. Can you break that down? I know we don't have loads of time, Luke, to go through in detail, but you know, if you can break that down just to give us the nuggets of of what this process is and, and how it kind of is interconnected. Yes, but let me first maybe explain what I mean by, um, you know, companies having not embraced the third P to really, really be clear about that, that thing. Because what we've observed is that um, most of the companies until today have made pledges, right? So net zero by 2050, reducing materials by 25%. And actually, when you look at who is making those pledges, um, it's all the companies, or most of them, right? So don't get us wrong, this is not a bad thing, but the, um, the problem is that they've also rolled out programs and initiatives according to those pledges. And they're essential, those actions, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, as long as, of course, companies act upon those pledges and not just make them, right? What we're witness- witnessing is actually what we call a, a green sea of sameness, right? In the sustainability space. So very few commitments or initiatives from from companies or brands are truly standing out from the crowd. And um, 
again, uh, meeting these compliances uh, standards, they provide strong relevance to brands, right, and to companies. It's kind of a license to operate, but it fails to create difference. And without difference, return on investment is then limited, if not nil. And um, and this is why we think uh, differentiation is the missing piece of the puzzle, right? And brand as such is the solution. And why is brand the solution? Because strong brands bring together two things, relevant, but also difference. And as a consequence, if you think of sustainability in a brand-led way, uh, with a brand truly at the heart of your sustainability efforts, uh, then you shift sustainability from a cost right, to an investment that drives return. So this is how we think about brand-led sustainability. Okay. And so, so from my, I suppose the way I'm interpreting that is that Yes, there are organizations doing a lot or saying a lot and they've got these initiatives and, and, and everybody's getting out there and, and starting to say or do something. But, but what you're saying is that that doing something isn't often aligned to profitability. It's not, it's not built in as an investment into the business and therefore the return on investment isn't clear. And so they are, they may be doing sustainability, but those programs just aren't sustainable because they haven't been built in almost strategically with as an investment kind of thinking uh, process behind them. So that therefore they are pledges or programs, but they're not actually driving points of differentiation and return on investment. Is that what you're saying there, Luke? Is that? Yes, it's, they're driving positive change because again, they're, you know, when you when you commit and we deliver on net zero by whatever the date, yeah. making a positive difference. Yeah. But um, you are not standing out. And so we're not saying we should stop doing those things. We're saying companies should start thinking about how they can also differentiate through the sustainability initiatives. That's what brand-led sustainability is about. Okay, that's interesting because when we interviewed Philip um, Kotler from, uh, you know, the, the father of modern marketing, and, and one of the things he said actually is that what we need is more exemplars. We need more people standing out. We need more people standing out and focused, uh, you know, almost celebrated uh, for the differentiating work that they're doing in sustainability so that they raise the bar for everybody else, um, not necessarily just as a point of competitive advantage for themselves. So, it, yes, they may do that as a, as a, as a natural output, but, but the objective is actually to raise the game for the collective. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more with that. Absolutely. And I think this also, you know, even take the Paris Climate Agreement that, that however many countries have signed up to, you know, that, that's not a legally binding uh, agreement. That's an agreement on the basis that those countries that will, are closer to meeting their targets put peer pressure on those that don't. And guess what? Nobody's anywhere near their target. Therefore, there is no peer pressure and there that then the you know there's no countries doing well so as to your point all of these pledges are great but until you start doing something about them they are nothing but a piece of paper that you've put your name to so i guess if you can tell us about this four step approach that you have at landor at fitch i think that would be really interesting absolutely so that yeah it's a four step approach it's it's very simple so that 
the first thing I wanted to say is that we we didn't start thinking and doing sustainability and branded sustainability uh, three years ago, right? Or even four years ago. We actually started because we are brand transformation company. So we're looking at how brand can really critically, you know, um, add to the business value. So we started thinking about that notion of branded sustainability with, without even calling it like that, right, 20 years ago. And we've actually worked with many, many clients, uh, very different clients, to embed sustainability at the heart, right, of, of the brand and the business. And we've learned from that. It's a 20-year it's a, it's a kind of, you know, uh, learning iteration with clients that ultimately led us to... Um, to that good brands approach that we have created and somehow that has crystallized over the last, you know, three years. So the, 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 the first thing critically important uh, before looking in those four steps is that wherever you are as a company or as a brand in your sustainability journey, even if you're just starting it, right? Even if you've never done anything, you can actually build your brand to be good uh, and to do well as well. And, um, Actually, we're looking at businesses in, in, in two ways, right? Uh, either we help existing brands and businesses transforming them to be, become more sustainable, or we're also creating uh, new sustainable native brands that are really sustainable from the start. Mm-hmm. That's two ways. Then to get there, the first thing we always do uh, is that we start with a phase called assess, right? And where we actually work very closely in a very collaborative mode, workshop mode with our clients. It's a, it's a very fast phase, but which needs strong engagement, right, on both sides. And this is where we, we look at uh, where the business and brands are on the sustainability journey, right? And uh, um, where the brand, you know, stands uh, and where it needs to go. Um, and uh, we, we have created what we call a good roadmap tool, which is really a very simple map which enables very quickly uh, any client, any brand to, lo- to look at where they are. And uh, for instance, you know, one thing we're looking at is that what are they currently doing? What have they done? And very often they've done tons of things, right? But also when we look at those things, we very often um, observe that they're spread across all the 17 sustainable development goals. Yeah. Right? And that moment is quite a very important one to client. You suddenly realize, oh my God, we, we, mm-hmm. we try to put our money everywhere, but actually it's a little bit somewhere, but there is nothing really strong emerging from that. So that's very often an aha moment, right, that we're having. And then, of course... The next step on the, on, on the assess phase is to then align, which is critical amongst the C-suite, among all the people really working on sustainability and business within the company, on what's the direction? Where do we want to go? What's the ambition? Right? And once we're having that clear ambition, then we shift to the next phase, which is a critical one, which is the focus phase. Because there is no mystery if you want to unlock ROI right? You need to focus at some point, right? Um, brand is about sacrifice and brand-led sustainability is about sacrifice as well and about focus, right? So um, what we do here is that we've created a very rigorous quantitative um, analysis tools to really help brands to find 
the singular and ownable, critically ownable point of difference, right? So it's about finding focus on what really creates, from a sustainability standpoint, not only relevance, but also difference. So uh, we will look, right, at the 17 United Nations SDGs and basically um, measure uh, through a future modeling approach um, which one or which ones the, the brand could rightfully not only deliver upon from a compliance standpoint, but champion, lead the way right? yeah. in their own and unique way of doing business. Yeah. And, and, and then once we look at the SDGs, we look at sus- the sustainable initiatives. And, and here, there's a very clear clash question here is, you know, are all sustainable initiatives born equal? And the answer is no, right? The answer is clearly no. Some will drive... Um, a, a sharper point of difference and a greater um, financial return than others. And again, we have future modeling um, uh, approaches that can really help to assess the potential of each initiative. And ultimately, what you end up with is this is an existing or a, an initiative to be created that will drive um, not only return on reputation, but also return um, from a business standpoint. Yeah. So that's the second phase. And of course, we're making a business case for change to support our clients then to get to their leaders and say, this is the thing we should focus on. Yeah. And the ideate phase is the third one because yes, uh, you know, um, helping a brand to stand up and stand out is, is of course uh, requiring more than just uh, great analytics, right? <laughs> it needs um, extraordinary creativity too. So, we, we're kind of a very special breed at Lanor and Fitch because we bring together those two elements under, you know, the same roof. So, you know, kind of, if I might say geeks, analytics guy, and also kind of wild creatives. But those two together create magic, right? And create yeah. something which is really strong. And, um, and I, I always like to say that, you know, analytics and creativity are, are both sides of the mm-hmm. same coin. So that's, that's the ideation phase where basically what we do is like, you know, innovation sprints, uh, where we bring together these kind of very different profiles of people. And this is where we land very often uh, on those strong ideas that really will drive um, return on sustainability investments. And then number four is really bringing it to life because we are designers as well. So we're not just thinkers, we're makers. And that's yeah. a beauty, right? So we have very holistic practice of design so we can really, really bring, you know, the, 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 that strategy and those ideas that we came up with to life across most of the touch points, you know, name it, packaging, uh, experience, big physic- physical, digital, um, uh, and, uh, and human, right? So services, service design. So we have all those dimensions that we can influence and that we can really tangibly create. And then very importantly, we partner. Because we, we can't do it all. Nobody can do it all, right? If we, everybody is honest. So we partner with uh, WPP companies, right? Which are doing things that we don't do. Um, yeah. And also outside of WPP companies, like we are, we're partnering with a plastic planet that you probably know, which is, you know, led by the wonderful Sean Sutherland. And she has got that amazing expertise that, you know, we, we need to bring in, you know, to, to improve um, or performance and our, uh, you know, advice towards clients. Yeah. So these are the four phases. 
Fantastic. So that's very rigorous and it's it's creative, it's data driven, it's solution focused, but it's also fundamentally aligned with the business, isn't it? You know, that's that's such a, a critical piece. Um, and uh, because, I mean, we've heard of other processes that, you know, look at the SDGs and that's a great place for organizations to kind of start, isn't it? What are we doing? Align it with that, see what the, where the parallels are. And, um, and also that kind of, like you say, the lowest hanging fruit, what aligns and where can they, where can they really focus that aligns with the business and doesn't just then look like a load of greenwashing because, there's a danger in that, isn't there? If there isn't that strategic fit and business alignment fit, that it could look as if you're just posturing to try and do something, almost trying a little bit too hard in an area that that just doesn't align with the business. So that, no doubt, is something that you really iron out as well, which you, you said there, that align um, and the idea. I love that. So You've clearly over the years been working with a number of organizations, number of brands, um, supporting them in this extraordinary way. Who's doing it well, Luke, in your mind? You know, who, you know, we talk about these exemplars, these people raising the bar. In your view, what does that look like? So here, for the sake of time, uh, I would share one example that I really, really love uh, and and I share with most of our clients, right? Regardless of which category they're working in, uh, it's Tommy Hilfinger. Uh, Tommy Hilfinger, if you think about that brand, right, until, what, five, six, seven years ago, uh, was still a brand kind of stuck in the American dream of the 80s. I remember this, right? Um, And this brand has, has, has gone through an amazing brand transformation. And when I say brand transformation, it's, it's in including the business, right? Um, they redefined their purpose still through the lens of the American dream because that's what they are about, right? Um, but they, they looked at what, what could the American dream of the 21st century be? And they've landed on one thing, which is radical inclusivity. It's about making everything possible for everyone. It's about anything is possible, right? And uh, once you've done that, that's why we always look at the brand and what's the brand purpose, because ultimately you need to deliver upon, right? Otherwise you're just a nice talker, right? And what they've done from there is that they've created a sustainable enterprise plan, right? Which is derived from the purpose, which is making it possible. And then, and that's very important, um, they've spread right their sustainability activities into two things, which are important. So first, they've got what we call points of parity actions, which is about reducing the damages of you know and the industry you're in. So if you're a fashion, if you're in the fashion industry, the fashion business, the big problem you're having is waste, mm. right? So you have to reduce waste. Very often, clients. Just do that. They reduced the damages of what they're doing because, you know, this is, of course, it's an obligation to become, you know, better. So, but what Tommy Finger has done, so yes, they've got a reducing waste program, which is called Waste Nothing, right? But equally, uh, and even more importantly, I would say, they've also thought about what could be their point of difference on sustainability. And this is where, you know, the brand-led sustainability comes in. So here, they've started from the purpose, right? Radical inclusivity. Mm-hmm. And they've, through the lens of the purpose, uncovered one of the many activities on sustainability that they had started, 
One of them was an adaptive range that they had created. But it was, it was kind of a small thing, right, uh, amongst many. But then when you look at the purpose and when you look at, you know, how can we stand out, mm-hmm. then through, through our brand purpose, they've decided to flesh that out and to focus a big part of the sustainability investments onto building, truly creating that uh, adaptive range. They do, and they call it Tommy Hilfiger Adaptive. They did two things. First, they created seven patented innovations to enable people living with disabilities to dress fashionably in a very easy way, right? Magnets, stuff like that, very yeah. smart. And to, to, to have cool clothes, right? Tommy Hilfiger clothes. The other thing they've done is that they've created the adaptive uh, e-commerce ecosystem that goes with that enabling anyone, regardless of whatever the disability you might have, right? Whether you're blind, whether you, 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 can't, you, know, you can't use your hands, whatever, right? To buy online. And that initiative, the Tommy Thing Adaptive, has uh, led to a massive, massive impact. Just one year after the launch, uh, of course, massive impact, massive return on reputation, and massive return on business because we know that the incremental sales due to the adaptive range were massive. And this is right. This is where people, planet, and profit come together. Well, it's not a bad thing to make money when you do good, right? It's, it's, again, it's the definition of sustainability. Absolutely. And this is why I, I really love that example because I think yeah. it, it encompasses, you know, what we mean by brand-led sustainability. And I think it is a great example. And, and it's also an example of, you know, it's delivering well-being to all. And I think when people hear sustainability or they hear environment, they they naturally go to, you know, trees and recycling and things like that. But actually, it's such a broad, complex challenge. But there's so many things that organizations do that you wouldn't necessarily automatically go, oh, that's sustainability or that plays into, you know, delivering well-being for all. So, Luke. So, yeah. Luke, you talk about transforming, doing good into competitive advantage. And, you know, we understand the commerciality of it. But, of course, there's also a need with a challenge this big that competitors come together and share best practice and almost, you know, that it becomes comp- competition agnostic. What are your thoughts on this? And are you seeing that actually happen? Yes, and I think I think to answer your question, uh, Jeremy, I think it's it's absolutely critical that uh, at some point competitors right need to come together around common goals. So, you know, some of them are quite obvious. You know, everybody needs to commit to reduce carbon footprint. So uh, that's 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 critical. So everybody needs to do it in their own way, right? But but that's that's quite critical. Reducing waste, of course, is a no-brainer, and then inclusivity is one as well, right? So this is not specific to any industry. This is something we need whatever company, whatever business we're in, to make our brands, you know, our spaces, everything more inclusive, right? Um, nevertheless, when you look at even those three things, right, you can stand out while do is doing these things. Think about, again, Tommy Hilfinger, right? Tommy Hilfinger has embraced inclusivity, right, in their very own way by creating the Tommy Hilfinger adaptive uh, range. And this is really embedding sustainability at the core of the business because, yes. you know, the unique... Tommy Hilfinger adaptive range, which is actually playing into the whole Tommy Hilfinger universe, right? What is very beautiful with that, and you're absolutely right when it's about raising the bar, um, 
that example and the fact that it, it was also successful from a reputation and business standpoint has now uh, pushed most of the fashion brands to follow that path. Yes. And right? yeah. EMH has already announced that, you know, they will uh, create their own adaptive range. And I suspect and I guess that this brand, which is amazing, will also come up with their own way, right? And with their own very specific LVMH-only adaptive range. So this is a very virtuous effect, right, of, of competitors. So um, that, that's, that's, um, that's the first point. But I think, uh, and again, we are helping brands to find their point of differentiation, even within those subjects, which are, as you say, very broad, right? Um, the... Um, the other point that I wanted to say is that beyond competitors, um, when you look at sustainability and you, and, you, and you said it, Gemma, right, it's such a massive subject. You need to remain, you can only be humble, right, when you look at that. And um, it really needs, um, like, like never before, I think, you know, uh, 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 collective intelligence. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and so we at Leonard Fitch don't pretend and don't attempt to do it on our own, right? Uh, but I think it's true for any, any brand or any company. So for us, it's quite obvious that we need to partner with others, right? We, 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 we have created um, to deliver branded sustainability and ecosystem, right, of team members, of experts within Leonard Fitch, but beyond Leonard Fitch, so partners, but also volunteers, right? Um, and, and just speaking about volunteers, I, I, I think that... Um, you need, you need, and this is true for any company. But what we've created is that we we basically enabled to each of our employee, if they wanted, to join what we call the good squad, which gives the possibility to each of our employee, regardless their function, seniority, title, whatever, to spend up to ten percent of the time doing good in the context of the job. That's very important. It's, it's in the context of a job, meaning we've got 320 people who signed up to the Good Squad, which is what we call our army of good, right? Mm. And their task is to be the nose of the plane, to really push the innovation boundaries, right, on the way we do, on our job, on our business, to do brand-led sustainability. So that's why I think this is also critically important. And also, by the way, this is really enabling your employees to engage because everybody's employer, every, every employee and especially Gen Y and Gen Z, they want to be able to do good in the context of their job. Yeah, they do. And, and I think that's such an important, there's two really lovely, you know, important points there that you, you talked about, uh, Luke, about this, the shared intelligence and, and things I've been looking at recently. Yes, the shared intelligence of, of, you know, partnering with other experts and bringing those in, but also the shared intelligence from experience, you know, people who have gone through these processes and have learned things are now sharing them in with others in their industry. I mean, okay, Patagonia have been doing that for a while. We know they share various insights and, and, and aspects about what they're doing. But, you know, I was reading a wonderful case study uh, 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 from an SME um, and he just won uh, the ED award and has been doing some great work in manufacturing, going round to other manufacturers and showing, telling 
This is what we did. These were the challenges we had. That's a very generous position that wouldn't ordinarily be aligned with competitive advantage. And when it comes to sustainability, there does seem to be much more graciousness in, in, in wanting to share and wanting to support everybody to kind of raise raise the bar because there is that collective intelligence that is required for such a complex um challenge that we're all we're all facing across this so so i think that 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 is such a wonderful uh, way that people are sharing and using that collective intelligence but also the other point you made there about employees and again recently just this week i last week i interviewed um a lovely um chap head of head of um culture uh, auto trader and he was telling me christos was telling me about the fact that many of their initiatives came from two employees that were driving this as you say the nose of the plane that were in in the organization championing sustainability and it bubbled up it's to the extent now that at just a few years on just four years on it is now embedded at the heart of strategy that would never have been that would never have been the case potentially or as quickly as it happened had those employees not just pushed and pushed so sometimes it's given the space to push sometimes it's it's pushing whether or not there's a space there there or not and and so absolutely employees can be significant champions and leaders when it comes yep. to some of the initiatives no absolutely i w- i would say nevertheless there's um i think that it becomes even more powerful <clears throat> when you've got when this is driven by the c suite yes. right because very often uh you know you you expect you know this come up from the bottom but but i think um what we witness because we've it, it's a c-suite initiative the good squad right listening to the the you know the appetite uh for for people to really do good do good design do good brand transformation so we listen to that and then in allowing anyone uh to spend up to 10 percent of their working time on this is not it's not a small thing yeah. right um and so in the good squad the good thing is that we having really sharing sessions with them, with the global leadership team that I'm belonging to, but we've got our CEO joining, our chief creative officer, you know, yeah. joining, our chief talent officer. And the good squad really is is pushing the boundaries. And, um, you know, one of the themes they're currently working on, just to give you a tangible example, they're working on pushing, you know, innovation on inclusive and accessible design. And um, they, they, they came up with in in what in six months with very strong eye-opening insights, and when they shared, you know, with the global leadership team, the next day this was embedded yeah. to everyone in the company to say, here are ten questions you can ask right away to your clients to basically see how we can improve and make you know design more accessible and more inclusive. So this is a very also gratifying thing Absolutely. when you are a junior and it's not only junior joining Good Squad. When you are when you are you know not necessarily part of the global leadership team or a regional leadership team, you can see that you can have a direct impact, you know, on on a company like ours action um, by 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 really really if we enable you to spend that time on things. Yeah. So I think it's a, it's a kind of a top, top bottom thing. Absolutely. Uh, this is where the things become more virtuous, right? Yeah. It's a virtuous circle. It yeah. is. And, and, you know, it has to be fully embedded at the heart of the strategy or 
The danger is if it's not, then it becomes more campaign focused. And that's when greenwashing raises its ugly head. Um, and, you know, yes. and Michelle and I saw some some research that came out, I believe it was from Kantar that said, you know, 76% of marketers believe their organization has a purpose, but only 10% believe it goes beyond their products and services. So, you know, how do brands and organizations overcome that? I think, I think, you know, that, that kind of principle, uh, you know, our founder, uh, Walter Lando said, a brand is a promise and a great brand is a promise kept. Right. And, um, and, and, and that's, that's, that's why, you know, I've been at Lando and Fitch for, for, for 15 years and, um, and I, I coming from advertising and I, I'm not, I'm saying advertising is amazing, right? It's very important, but the beauty when you're working, you know, at Lando and Fitch and a brand, holistic brand transformation company, you can, you can really work on both sides. You can work on the making promise and the keeping the promise damage. Mm-hmm. So I've been giving, you know, um, uh, lessons and I'm a permanent teacher at La Sorbonne amongst others, right? For now, probably 15 years. And I always ask the same question when I first met with my, my students. I ask each of them, don't think, tell me one brand you bought and why. And the answer is always in the why is always linked to an action of the brand, right? To what the brand does, not just says. It's about, you know, the service is great. The product is amazing. The design is wow. You know, the the service, uh, even the after sales service is just amazing. And so they're talking about all those experiences, which are so important. So my point is to say that the, the intolerance for the gap between what a brand says and what a brand does has started yeah. Probably already 10 years ago. When it comes to sustainability, the intolerance towards that gap is nil. So if you start, you know, um, coming up with very nice images that make you cry uh, and don't have the actions that go with that, then it backlashes and very hard, right? So to the way I try to summarize that is, is it kind of a forget that metaphor, but basically we've shifted from storytelling to story doing, right? So it's all about do things first and then talk about them. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, and that I mean, I guess that, you know, that is at the heart of what marketing should start with. You know, it's mm-hmm. not the end of the funnel. It's not just the advertising. It's the, it's the brand's reputation, the story, the strategy. So I guess... What's your view on the role marketing is playing right now and needs to play moving forward? Well, you know, marketing uh, is marketing people and people working, you know, from chief marketing officers to everybody working in marketing, you know, in the marketing business is they're custodians of the brand, right? So, um, and uh, as such, of course, when it comes to brand-led sustainability, they have an absolute critical role, right, to in connecting sustainability to brand and to business. So, um, and make sure that the sustainability efforts support a business commercial success. Yeah. Right. So that, that's, that's, that's a given. Um, the thing is that, you know, in, when you are in a marketing function, um, as the marketing function has very, for a long time, been driven by comms, there are very often short-term you know, expectations. Oh, we need to, ooh, we need to change perception very quickly. You know, it needs to come. And when it comes to sustainability, it's not that easy, right? So, of course, the trap of greenwashing is always there. But um, there is a way, as long as it's correlated with actions, to improve things 
both from a short-term and a mid-term uh, dimension. So let me give you two examples. On the short-term dimension, we, we, it took us six months only to help the International Volleyball Federation to um, raise dramatically their profile and the sustainability profile within the International Olympic Committee. How did we do that? By actioning brand-led sustainability. What did we do? We created, we spotted a problem which somehow links to the volleyball, which is fishing nets, which are called ghost nets that are discarded into the ocean, right? Big problem. What did we do? We didn't just do, oh, let's give money as a federation to the people who are removing those nets from the sea. No, no, no. Let's do brand accessibility. Let's create a brand, which is all about celebrating volleyball. Um, So using the volleyball nets. So what did we do? We took the ghost nets. We upcycled them into what we call good nets. And the brand we created is GoodNet. In six months' time, so we created from zero to launching those GoodNets in Copacabana. We did an activation, massive press coverage. And that in just one thing, so very short term, six months, uh, it enabled the, the FIVB and the GoodNet program to be uh, adopted by the United Nations in their CleanSys program. So that's branded sustainability very fast, right? So yeah. you can do things in a very short term. Yeah. Yeah. In term, we created a brand for, uh, you know, the Weller company, which wanted to enrich their portfolio of, uh, you know, professional hair care with a truly sustainable native brand. So we created it with them. So that took us from A to Z again, uh, 18 months. And we created a brand which is called We Do, which is all about... Um, every single touch point being an act of kindness. And that brand launched success, launched very successfully in Sweden, right, uh, after 18 months. So that's more midterm. But you can combine, you know, yeah. uh, different initiatives, short-term, midterm. And that's what the first step, which is the assess step, the good roadmap, is about, yeah. right? How can we, what, what's the ambition? How do we get there? Uh, but not waiting three years to get the dividends. Yeah, absolutely. Wow, there's been so much insight in in this wonderful uh, interview with you luke we like to ask each one of our podcast guests the three same questions and it's always interesting to hear what everybody has to say and how that plays out differently so i'm going to start with the first one given that we've just been talking about marketing and marketing's role so my question to you luke and these are quick fire questions is in your view can marketing save the planet yes it can um, because marketing is, you know, is the custodians of brands. So how can it save the planet? By building good brands. Uh, and we know that building good brands can be good for people and planet and for business. And our second question to you, Luke, is what do you hope business looks like in 10 years' time? Well, I... There is one thing I strongly believe in is that if you want to transform the world, right, you have to transform the way we do business. So my hope that is that in 10 years' time, most of the businesses will have embraced triple bottom line thinking, right? And last but not least, by any stretch, what one piece of advice would you give, Luke, to an organization that is thinking about just getting started with sustainability? I've got one very simple sentence to to answer that question, which is uh, stop just complying, start differentiating. Beautiful. Perfect. Well, well, it's been such a wonderful conversation. Thank you so much for joining us on the Can Marketing Save the Planet podcast. (laughs) 